This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel, and you are joining us in the middle of our Kingdom Builders Month at Christian Chapel. Each year we start off by asking how we can build God's kingdom here and all over the world. On the the seat back pocket in front of you, there should be a Kingdom Builders card. Um, That describes our Kingdom Builders giving at Christian Chapel. Kingdom Builders is over and above giving. It's how we support the work of God globally by supporting over 60 missionaries and ministries on a monthly basis who are working in 30 nations around the world. We support God's kingdom locally by investing in Royal Family Kids Camp, Crisis Pregnancy Outreach, and other organizations ministering here in our community and around our state. And we also support God's kingdom being built in the next generation by providing camp scholarships, mission trip scholarships, and a internship program for future church leaders through your Kingdom Builders giving. Next Sunday, we're going to receive our 2023 Kingdom Builders commitment. So my request from you today is that you will take this home, pray about it this week. In a few moments, Pastor Mike is going to come talk to us about what it means to build God's kingdom with our finances and provide you with just some great biblical material to help you consider, pray through, and then partner with us to see all that God is doing. Our goal for 2023 is to give away $550,000 globally, locally, and in the next generation to see God's kingdom established in ways that make a difference now and long after all of us are gone. Uh, Before we have Pastor Mike come speak, though, we are sharing stories of what God is doing at Christian Chapel. I've loved reading those. If you have stories of God's salvation, God's healing, God's provision, if you'll do me a favor and email those to us at praise at christianchapel.com. One of the things that we felt the Lord directing us to in 2023 was to make time in our worship services each week to give him glory for the good things that he has done and also to stop and pray and ask him to continue to do those things today. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you a story from Candy Jensen. Ryan and Candy, along with their three kids, are members of Christian Chapel. Candy wrote, for a long time, I've had anemia and leukopenia, a low white blood cell count. In November 2022, my doctor referred me to a hematologist and oncologist for further evaluation with concerns that my low white blood cell count would be an indication of a more serious diagnosis. She referred me to a specific doctor, and I had been wondering if that was the right doctor for me since November. I came to church on Sunday, January 15th, 2023, and I heard the testimony of the Dowd twins' miraculous in utero healing and God's word to McRae that she did not need to believe the initial report from the doctor. As we all prayed together during the service after hearing their story, I began praying for my own healing and asking God for a good report at my upcoming appointment. I was specifically praying and asking God for wisdom to choose the right doctor to conduct the tests. As I prayed, Lord, help me choose the right doctor. Before I could finish the word doctor, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it doesn't matter, they aren't going to find anything. At the end of the service, I went to the prayer room for the first time, and I asked others to pray with me. I went to my appointment on Thursday, Thursday, January 19th, 2023. I had more blood work done, and praise God, there were no signs of leukemia, lymphoma, or any other serious illness. I'm thankful for a community of believers that prays together and praises together. This inspired me to ask for help and testify of God's faithfulness. 
And so each week as we read those, we are, uh, we're doing what the scriptures say. We always want to be the, the one that comes back to thank Jesus for what he's done. And we also want to ask him to do it again. So I'm going to lead us in a, a prayer of gratitude to the Lord. And we're also going to pray that God will continue to bring healing. Uh, some of you this, this week might have appointments. You might have different things on the horizon. You might have received some diagnosis recently. You might be battling some things and they might seem really big. They might seem really small. Uh, but one of the things that, that I hope you understand is if it bothers you, it matters to God. And you can bring every need, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how serious or insignificant it seems. And he is able to heal, he's able to save, he's able to deliver and to provide. And so if you're facing a a season or situation, maybe it's physical healing that you need, maybe it's some other form of of God's provision or deliverance. But if you just have a need in your life and you're saying, I need Jesus to step in and and act on my behalf, will you raise your hand where you are? We just want to agree with you in prayer. If you see someone sitting by you, just reach out, put your hand on their shoulder and we're going to pray together. Jesus, we thank you for Candy's story. We thank you, Lord, for just the way your spirit spoke even before the tests had confirmed what you had already done in her body. We thank you, Lord, that you are still the God who heals, that you are still the God who hears and answers our prayer. And so, Lord, we come back this morning to express our gratitude and our our thankfulness for your intervention in Candy's life. And now, Lord, even as we thank you, we ask, will you do it again? You see the needs that are represented, Lord. You see the sickness and disease that has already been diagnosed. You see the treatments that have already been prescribed. And Jesus, we're asking, will you step into those spaces and release your gifts of healing into our bodies this morning? Lord, you see the things that are new and you see the old nagging things that just do not go away. And we're praying today, Lord, will the Holy Spirit release that gift of healing in our bodies and may we have our own stories of your personal, powerful, supernatural healing power in our lives. Jesus, we believe in every way that we lack today, you are sufficient. And so we come asking you once again to intervene, asking you to release your gifts and ready to give you all the glory for all of the good things that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As I said, today we're continuing our Kingdom Builders series. Pastor Mike Bowie is our associate pastor. He is a a tremendous gift to our church. Pastor Mike has nearly 40 years of pastoral ministry experience. He has 30 years of experience leading a church in Sand Springs. He joined us this past fall. And one of the things that our staff benefits from on a weekly basis is Mike's wisdom. And anytime, you know, you've done something for 40 years, you've seen God work in a lot of ways and do a lot of good things. Over the past couple of months, Mike has been sharing stories uh, a lot with me personally and also with our staff of the ways that God led their church and the ways that he taught Mike and taught their church about God's kingdom plan for our finances. And he just told us so many great stories that eventually told him, like, Mike, we just actually are going to need you to preach on Sunday and share those with all of us because they're tremendously encouraging. And so this morning, Pastor Mike's going to come share with us about kingdom finances, tell us a bunch of stories from his life and his leadership. And I know you're going to be blessed by this practical and encouraging teaching. Will you help me welcome Pastor Mike? Thank you. Thank you. Well, as you know, Pastor Chris has been emphasizing the importance of being a kingdom builder, and I'm glad to be a part of a church that emphasizes our mission as both local and global. And I want to say right up front, being a kingdom builder is not an obligation. It is an opportunity. Anytime you enter into a partnership with God in the stewardship of your resources, time, and gifts, 
you're going to be blessed. Today, I want to talk specifically about kingdom finances and describe to you what bringing your finances in line with kingdom priorities will do for you individually and for a church. I have no problems talking about money, and here's why. God talks a lot about money in the Bible. There's over 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer. There's over 500 verses on faith, yet there are more 2,000 verses in the Bible that deal with money and possessions. Even Jesus talked more about money than in heaven and hell. And in 18 of his 38 parables, money and possessions was the heart of the issue. So clearly from the Bible standpoint, to be a kingdom builder, I have to learn to handle my resources God's way. Now here's where we're going to start. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. The Lord himself said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, if you read the entire chapter, when Jesus says all things, he's referring to everything you're going to need to sustain your life and live abundantly. There's a premise here and a promise. To be a kingdom builder requires I put God's kingdom first. That's my part. If I do my part, God does his part, which is to provide for me. And again, you cannot talk about being a kingdom builder without talking about our resources, the resources God has given us and how we handle them. So what I want to do today is look at three passages of Scripture that highlight a kingdom builder's proper use of money. And as we do, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is embracing kingdom priorities in your finances an obligation or is it an opportunity? The first passage we're going to look at or consider is Malachi 3, 8 through 10. And this is where embracing kingdom priorities in our finances begins. And of course, this is the classic chapter on tithing. What's a tithe? A tithe is 10%. Scripture teaches us we present the first 10% of our income to God. We do that to honor him with the first fruits of our resources. If a person makes a dollar a week, the tithe is 10 cents. If they make $100 a week, the tithe is $10. So make $1,000 a week, the tithe will be $100. But let's look at this passage. And God was speaking to the nation of Israel because they had really fallen away from him and from his principles at this time. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing, you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, there's always some who read that passage and say, well, that's Old Testament. We're not, we're not required to tithe today. That's not the issue. The real question is, does this principle and this promise in Malachi 3 still work today? Why would it not work? You know, just because the principle is not restated in the New Testament exactly the same way it is in the Old Testament doesn't mean it doesn't apply. You know, what about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where God promises guidance to his children? The Scripture is not restated in the New Testament exactly the way it is in the Old Testament, yet we readily accept that promise as being relevant for today. The point I'm making is this. We can't start picking and choosing which promises in the Bible we're going to believe and which ones we're not going to believe. 
It's true we're not under the law, but the principles and promise of both the Old and New Testament are relevant in the 21st century. The reasons for tithing today are the same reasons that people of God tithed in the Old Testament. But very quickly, I want to mention some of the reasons we tithe before we touch on the benefits of tithing. But for one, the tithe was brought to place of worship to provide for the work of the Lord. It ensured to be adequate support to carry on God's work. Well, God's work today is just as worthy of support as it was in Old Testament times. And the truth is, we have a greater commission than the Jewish nation did. Jesus said we're to go and make disciples of all nations. So we're to reach everyone in the gospel, and God's work requires support. The tithe was also to prove God's faithfulness. God has many attributes. They include love, justice, mercy, but faithfulness is also an attribute of God. And he wants us to bring the tithe, the place of worship, so, he can, so we can see his faithfulness in our lives. And then finally, to honor God with the tithe is to honor him for his blessings on our life. Every time I present my tithe to God, I'm making this powerful faith declaration. God, I'm recognizing you're the source of my life. Man does not live by bread alone. And I choose to honor you by bringing the first fruits of my income. And giving to God on a regular basis reminds us that God is the source of everything we have. The truth is, we own nothing. You say, oh, I own my house, my car. No, you don't. You own nothing. The Bible says this whole earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God. All we are are stewards over what God has entrusted to us. Now, I'm telling you, life goes better when you realize you're not the owner. He's the owner, and you're the steward. I'm telling you, life is always better. But see, honoring God with the tithe helps us keep our focus on Him. It helps us put Him first and live in dependence on Him. Now, I want to examine what does God promise to us as the people of God when we honor him with the tithe. If you're having financial problems, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to give you great encouragement. I want you to see God loves you. He loves you with a passion. He is for you. He is not against you. And the good news is God has a plan to lead you out of financial stress if you're in it. He's got a plan to lead you out to a place of financial peace and blessing. And here's what you can expect if you tithe. And you know what? I did not say this. God did. One, he says he'll open the windows of heaven. And the scripture specifically says, if you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which is a local church, he opens the windows of heaven over your life. And I'm telling you, life is good under an open heaven. The scripture even indicates that, they will, that he will pour out a blessing greater than what you need. Now, I do want to make something clear. You know, I'm not saying if you tithe, God's going to make you a millionaire. However, you can expect God to bless you. Biblical prosperity is having your needs met and being able to be generous on every occasion. It's being able to give as the Holy Spirit directs you. So based on Malachi 3, you cannot deny the fact God wants to bless us. And then second, God says there's going to be a demonstration of his power in your life. When you honor him with the tithe, God says, prove me now in this. It's as if he's saying, I dare you. I dare you to try me in this. But when you tithe, God promises he's going to move in your life and in your finances, and he will do it naturally and supernaturally when it's necessary to, to fulfill his purpose. And then third, God promises protection on our resources. You know, we live 
on a fallen planet. And I want all the protection I can get. And here in Malachi 3, God promises protection on the people's resources. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now, in the passage, God told his people the pests would not devour their crops. Their vines would not cast their fruit before their time. Their crops represented their income, and God promised protection upon it. While you and I may not have crops, the principle applies. So Scripture indicates God gives divine protection to our resources. Uh, you know, Pam, part of Pam's in my story. You know, when we assumed the pastor of the church in San Springs in 1989, district leadership asked us, had asked us to consider it. The church had gone through difficult days. It was on the verge of closing, and also had the financial picture was bleak. And by that, I mean the church couldn't even pay its bills, and we had no guarantee of a weekly salary. Nobody in their right mind, in the natural, would, would take an assignment like this, but you do if the Holy Spirit speaks. And he did. And I, and I said, God, I don't even know what I'm going to make weekly. What am I to do? I can't even make a budget. And he said to me, I will be my, your budget, and my budget is unlimited. And I'm about to take you on an adventure where you have to completely depend on me. And, and it really was an incredible adventure. But having this strong administrative background, I wanted to review the church's financial records for the last two years. And what I discovered, as the church increasingly faced financial difficulties, they gave less and less to missions. And, and there were a lot of things that happened that was not their fault, beyond their control. But my conclusion was the church had taken itself out of God's financial plan. And as I was considering that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, if this church will take care of my business, I will take care of the church's business. Well, what is God's business? <laughs> Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. So I thought, we've got to get involved in reaching people in our community and around the world. And the very first board meeting as a new pastor, I told the board, we're going to begin to give the minimum of 10% of everything that comes in to world missions. They said, well, we've never done it like that before. And I said, well, if you don't, I'm not staying here because I'm not going to live life under a closed heaven. You know, we've got to have an open heaven if we're going to survive and, and move forward. So... Honoring God's plan will always bring blessing individually and corporately. And, and honestly, the results were dramatic. As the church started giving to world missions and making it a priority, it brought life into the church. I mean, financial miracles started happening to meet the church's weekly financial obligations. The very first week we did this, the church had a large insurance payment due which was $1,000. Now, you think, well, that's not that much money. Well, in 1989, that was a lot of money. And $1,000 is still a lot of money if you don't have any money. You know, if you're broke, it's still a lot of money. And, and so in the face of lack, we put God first. The Sunday before the insurance payment was due, a man was traveling to the Tulsa area on business. And, and this man could have gone to any church in Tulsa but he shows up, this little church in Sand Springs, and he gave the church a $1,000 offering, cover the insurance payment. Never saw him again. What was God doing? Proving his faithfulness. And God began sending people to the church. You know, 1989, in September 1989, the church had 40 people, men, women, and children. By December, we were running 100. Now, again, that may not seem significant to you, but it was. The church had more than doubled in three months. And this was just the beginning. And there were miraculous stories of how 
people were finding the church and experiencing God even when they just walked into the building before the worship or preaching ever started. But the church was on this path to revitalization and monthly giving soared. The only thing we had done was embrace God's financial plan to give him 10% to world missions. And in the beginning, it was just Pam and I on staff, and we were doing everything, preaching, teaching, cleaning, preparing bulletins, visitation, everything else. And now because God was blessing the church financially and the church was growing, we started expanding staff. And we needed the staff because of the growth. And the more we did for missions, the more God blessed the church. And here's the picture I want you to get. You know, there are approximately 10,000 Assembly of God churches in this country. In 1989, in Sand Springs, the church there was at the bottom 100 mission-giving churches in the Assemblies of God. By 2018, a church that had been on the verge of closing in 1989 with only 40 people was now a congregation over 500 with six full-time staff members, and thank God, a janitor. I was tired of cleaning toilets. (laughs) (laughs) And we were now in the top 300 mission-giving churches in the Assemblies of God, and missionaries were being served all over the world. What had we done? Embrace God's financial plan. And, And what we found was God opened the windows of heaven over the church, and he brought increase in every way. And for me, tithing is not a law, it's life. And here's a question I'd ask in light of Malachi 3. Is embracing kingdom priorities in your finances an obligation or an opportunity? Well, in authority of God's word, I think you have to conclude it's an opportunity. Now, I want to turn our attention to sowing generously above your tithe. And before I do, I want to make something clear. The tithe is the starting place in embracing kingdom priorities in your finances. And the truth is, you don't give your tithe. Did you know that? God didn't tell you to give it. No, the tithe is already his. He said, you bring me your tithe. You bring it to me. So see, the first 10% belongs to God. And that means we bring back to God the tithe, which is his. And, and we, we, it's just a way of honoring him for his blessings in our life. But the tithe is always brought, and God said the whole tithe, the whole tithe. You can't break it up and designate it here and there. No, the whole tithe is brought to the local church with no strings attached to make sure the local church has a support its need. And so whatever you commit, the Kingdom Builders program, which supports mission endeavors locally and globally, that, that's above your regular giving. That's above the tithe. So the next passage we're going to look at is 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, where Paul talks about sowing generously to God's kingdom. Now let's read it. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you'll abound in every good work. So God says, if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. If you give reluctantly, you give grudgingly, you give greedily, then you're not going to receive back the kind of blessing your heart desires. So if I'm willing to give to God generously in the right spirit, God is going to give generously to me. And here's something else we need to understand about this passage. The passage does not imply that any two people do the same thing. See, generously for a 10-year-old could be a dollar a week. 
Generously for a college student could be $10 a week. Generously, generously for someone else could be $100 a week or $1,000 a week. What we each need to do is ask the Lord, what do I need to sow to reflect a generous heart? And here's what I found. If you ask the Holy Spirit what you should do, the Holy Spirit will tell you. And the scripture says every man should give what he's decided in his heart. Now, remember, God loves a cheerful giver. If you aren't a cheerful giver, it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. God loves everybody. God loves cheerful givers, and he loves grumpy believers, okay? He loves everybody. I'll just know this. Grumpy believers just don't walk in as much blessing. But very quickly, let's just consider what God promises those who sow generously. First, you will have all you need at all times. Now, that's the promise of God. Over and over in Scripture, God promises to meet your needs. He's going to meet your needs at the beginning of your life, in the middle of your life, and at the end of your life. There's never a time or season when God's love and God's power cannot reach you. And he's able to provide for all your needs now and far into the future. You know, a lot of people are becoming fearful about the future. You know, there's much talk about the nation's economy, the problems with inflation, fear of a recession. While we can be impacted by nation's economy, keep in mind we're part of another kingdom whose economy never fails. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to teach at a pastor's conference in Ukraine, and I was invited to speak at the church that was hosting the conference uh, the following Sunday. And so this was shortly at the fall of the Soviet Union, which had just left Ukraine's economy in shambles. And when it came time to receiving the offering, a young man got up to give a testimony of God's faithfulness. And again, these are impoverished people. And he talked about how bringing God the tithe he had and giving offerings above the tithe, how it was bringing blessing into his life and how God was providing for him and his family in such a bleak economic time in the nation. And his testimony just moved me to tears, and, and it reminded me that God's promises work for every individual and in every nation, regardless of that country's economy. And I'm telling you, the kingdoms of this world will be shaken, but you can be a part of another kingdom who can, whose economy cannot be shaken. And there's never a time in God's kingdom when he is unable to meet your needs, never And then second, God will make all grace abound to you. There's so many scriptures that speak of God's grace. Now, it's a fact. We all have challenges beyond our abilities to set time. We live life on a fallen planet. We face hardships. We face trials. We face heartaches. But what does scripture say about God's grace? Well, his grace is sufficient for every trial and every season. Yet there is something about sowing generously that releases even more of God's grace into our lives. So here's the next question. In light of 2 Corinthians 9, is giving generously to God an obligation or an opportunity? God promises we're going to have all we need at all times, and his grace will abound toward us. That sounds like an opportunity. Now, that passage took on more meaning in the church in Sand Springs once we began to build a kingdom building program just like Christian chapels. In 1989, we didn't have such a program. But I knew I had to lead the the church into God's plan and quickly. And here's why. I mean, our only hope was God proving himself to be faithful, and he did. 
So as we entered the 1990s, I wanted to build a strong mission program emphasizing missions locally and globally. And to do that, we began having a yearly emphasis, much like this one, encouraging people to make a commitment above their tithe to the Kingdom Builder program. And while, while, honoring, while God was honoring our commitment to present him 10% to world missions, we saw even greater results individually when we began to give above our tithes. I mean, the congregation just completely embraced this. And I will just say, in those early days when the Lord was teaching us to give generously above the tithe, we saw phenomenal miracles. God was proving himself. I mean, and there was a time, I mean, it it was just a season of the Holy Spirit because there were some things he wanted to accomplish. But there was a season of the Holy Spirit. You could just say it's the whole church that God was calling us into faith-level giving. And, and I learned in that season, there's three levels of giving. And, and first is reason giving. And there's nothing wrong with that. But reason giving is where I, I look at my finances and I decide what I can reasonably give above the tithe. Second, there's finan- sacrificial, sac- sacrificial giving. And here you consider what can you give up over here in order to support some kingdom endeavor over there. But finally, there's a faith-level kind of giving where the Holy Spirit reveals what he wants to give through you. And I guarantee you, when the Holy Spirit wants to give through you, it'll always be beyond your ability. But there was a season where the Holy Spirit was just speaking, and people were making these commitments above their tithe. And obedience to the Holy Spirit's voice released miracles in the life of this church unlike anything I had ever seen. And for the next several years, we had almost weekly testimonies of financial miracles. I mean, many received incredible raises. Business owners uh, prospered. Over time, people who were drowned in debt were now debt-free. And we discovered, as, as God had blessed us, we now had more to give. And the major takeaway for me was this. If God can get money through you, he will get money to you. I'm going to say that again. If God can get money through you, he'll get money to you. See, he wants to be a channel in order to send his blessings through, but they're never just about you, is so you can be a channel to bless others. And when it was all said and done, we learned God had, working through us, we had given far beyond our ability. And then we come to the last patches I want to consider uh, relating to kingdom finances, and it's what Jesus said in Luke 6.38. The Lord himself said, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So what exactly does Christ promise in regard to our giving? Well, he says, number one, God will give to you. And what is interesting in this passage, Jesus does not tell us what to give or how much to give. He just says, whatever you give, it's going to be given back to you. God is going to give back to you. Now, I want to illustrate this for you. You know, here's a guy, let's say he's got a horrible attitude about life and about people. He's built a wall around his life, and it's just like he's saying, I just don't like people. Leave me alone. I don't want to love anybody. Well, how much love do you think that guy's going to get in life? Well, he's not going to get any because the Bible says give and it should be given back. I mean, if you don't give love, you don't get love back. 
On the other hand, here's someone else that's just pouring out love. I mean, they generally love and care about people, and they're constantly reaching out to to be a friend and to serve. How many people are going to love them? Well, those folks are going to have a lot of friends. You know, the Bible says, do you want friends? If so, show yourself friendly. So if you're willing to be friendly, you're going to have friends. But the principle is whatever you give, love, time, friendship, service, money, Jesus says it's going to be given back to you. And then second, Jesus mentions that when God gives back, he gives back abundantly. And I'm not making this up. Jesus said this. God takes your gift and he multiplies it. And when he gives it back to you, Jesus says it's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That speaks of abundance. That speaks of multiplication. There is no limit to what God can give and how much he can bless somebody. Now, I want want to inject a thought here. Never let your resources or your lack of resources determine your destiny. In 1984, the church in Sand Springs had outgrown its facility, and the facility was not serving the congregation well at all. And it was very obvious it was not going to serve what God wanted to do either. And so the need to remodel and expand the facility, um, I mean, that need was real. And while the church finances were growing and we had no problem meeting weekly financial obligations and we were adding staff, we didn't have a dime for a costly building project. And the first phase was going to be around 800000 Well, again, this was in the early 90s, and we were still in the process of revitalization. Now, we'd grown to a congregation about 200 at that point. Um, and yes, we learned a lot about giving, but we, we were not affluent people. We were people who just honored God with the tithe, and if God didn't take care of us, we weren't going to make it. But instead, we let the vision God gave us be the guiding force. And this is worth saying again, always let the vision God gives be your guiding force and not your resources. But we had learned so much about giving, and we finally said, you know what? We're just going to say yes to God. And we said yes, and God made it all possible. I'll never forget the night we voted on an $800,000 building project. We would had zero in the bank. Zero. And we voted, and I, think I went home and almost had a panic attack. Thinking, you know, I'm telling you, you know, times I was in and out of faith. You know, I wish I could just say I was always this man of faith and it was smooth sailing. No, it was a lot of ups and downs and wrestling to trust God. And I went home and said, God, I know you've taught us so much, but what have I just done? And I had never led a church through a building project. And you think, wait, $800,000, it seemed like a lot. Well, that is a lot of money. And again, when you're not an affluent congregation, But we had learned God had been generous to us individually. God had been generous to the church. And we thought, we're going to trust and be generous now because this project is really not about us. It's about what God wants to do now into the future. So just based on what Jesus said in Luke 6.38, you know, is embracing kingdom priorities in our finances is an obligation or is an opportunity? Well, Jesus said, if you give, it'll be given back to you. And I'm so glad the church took the Lord at his word because, again, this was a church that should have closed in 1989. It grew to a strong congregation, over 500, a strong mission church. We went, we did, we ended up doing something like $3 million of building programs. 
Not only we built a missionary in resident home, we also built a minister in resident home to serve retired AG pastors or their widows who were struggling in retirement. You know, so these men and women thought, man, they have labored their whole life for the kingdom of God, and now so many were, were struggling in, in their retirement years, and we want to meet that need. And we did all that debt-free, debt-free. And why? Why did God turn all that around? It just goes back. We stepped into God's financial plan, and God did the miraculous. Now, I want to just mention a couple things I found helpful in receiving from God. You know, one, expect God to keep his word. If these promises are not true, how can we believe anything else in the Bible? The Bible is true, and it's been tested and proven by millions throughout the ages. As you embrace kingdom priorities in your finances, trust God to keep his word. And I just encourage you, see the God of the Bible for who he really is. Where did you get that picture? In the Word. Don't determine your view of God based on your life experiences or what our culture says God is like. Our view of God must be based clearly on what is revealed in Scripture. And all through Genesis, from Genesis through Revelation, we see God is being generous. Scripture reveals a God of abundance, a God of much, a God of love, a God of grace, a God who loves giving good gifts to his children, a God who prospers and blesses his people in natural and supernatural ways to fulfill his purpose. But he is your loving heavenly father who wants to freely give to his children. And here's the way I see it. When we embrace kingdom priorities in our finances, it is an opportunity to be blessed. If you have not brought your finances in line with kingdom priorities, it does start with the tithe. Go back and look at all the promises just with the tithe alone. Step out in faith. Bring the whole tithe to God, to the local church with no strings attached, and and trust him. He will do something. It is an opportunity for you to prove his faithfulness. And then as we each grow in the Lord, you know, he wants us to become generous and give offerings above the tithe. And based on what's built in Scripture and from personal experience, I know it pays to be generous with God. And the more generous you are with God, the more generous he's going to be with you. And while I don't know what your financial picture looks like, I do know this. Bringing your finances in line with kingdom priorities, it is a key to your future, and to your blessing. It really is. Listening to the Holy Spirit and committing financially what he puts on your heart, the Kingdom Builders program here. It it could be the door to new spirit adventures, and it could lead you in the most fruitful year of your life. I just know it pays to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the more generous you are with God, the more generous he's going to be with you. You know, maybe there's someone here and you've yet to commit your life to Christ. Well, that's where being a kingdom builder actually begins. You know, you recognize that life just isn't working without Christ. You know, the moment you put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you are now what the Bible calls born again. And while you may still be on this earth, you are now part of an eternal kingdom that will never end. 
And if you start living your life in line with kingdom priorities, he is going to be faithful to lead you, to guide you, and to provide for you for every season of life. And if there's someone who senses the Holy Spirit is dealing with them, and he's encouraging you to trust Christ as Savior today, we've got men and women in our prayer room. It's off to the side of the foyer out there waiting to pray with you. And of course, they would love to pray with you about any need you have in your life. If you have any need in your life, I would encourage you to go and receive prayer. Jesus said, if two or more agree as touch anything, it shall be done for them by their Father in heaven. And just before Pastor Chris comes back, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak today, uh, let me have an opportunity to, to pray with you. Lord Jesus, you are faithful. You are faithful. Your word is true. And I pray today that each one of us will completely embrace the truth of your word, that our minds will be renewed. And as our minds are renewed in the truth in your word, your Holy Spirit is also going to speak to us about just carefully bringing all of our resources in line with your kingdom priorities, to be people who honor you with the tithe, and then we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and showing us what to give to missions locally and globally that will serve missionaries and, and peoples all over the world. God, speak to our hearts. And I know that when we obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, we follow his leading. I know it ushers us into new realms. It ushers us into new spirit adventures. And I pray, Lord, that you will take the faithful men and women here, that you will take this faithful church and I just pray new spirit adventures will unfold. And I'm mindful of the scripture Pastor Godfrey prayed, how you can do things exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. I, Lord, I just sense that that is something you're about to do here at Christian Chapel. You're about to do something exceedingly and abundantly above anyone ever thought. Oh God, we bless your holy name. And whatever you have it planned, for our future individually and for our future as a body. Just help us be people that trust you, trust in your kingdom. Let us walk by faith and help us to never let our lack of resources determine our destiny. Thank you, Lord, that new spiritual adventures are waiting for those who align their lives with kingdom priorities. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.